0: CHAPTER 52 OF THE ONTARIO READER'S THIRD BOOK BY THE ONTARIO MINISTRY OF EDUCATION READ FOR LIBRIVOX.ORG ADVENTURE WITH A WHALE I gaily flung myself into my place in the mate's boat one morning, as we were departing in chase of a magnificent chancelot that had been raised just after breakfast. There were no other vessels in sight, much to our satisfaction. The wind was light, with a cloudless sky, and the whale was dead to leeward of us we sped along at a good rate towards our prospective victim who was in his leisurely enjoyment of life calmly lolling on the surface occasionally lifting his enormous tail out of water and letting it fall flat upon the surface with a boom audible for miles we were as usual first boat but much to the mate's annoyance when we were a short half-mile from the whale our main-sheet parted it became immediately necessary to roll the sail up lest its flapping should alarm the watchful monster and this delayed us sufficiently to allow the other boats to shoot ahead of us. Thus the second mate got fast some seconds before we arrived on the scene, seeing which we furled sail, unshipped the mast, and went in on him with the oars only. At first the proceedings were quite of the usual character, our chief wielding his lance in most brilliant fashion, while not being fast to the animal allowed us much greater freedom in our evolutions. But that fatal habit of the mates— of allowing his boat to take care of herself so long as he was getting in some good home-thrusts, once more asserted itself. Although the whale was exceedingly vigorous, churning the sea into yeasty foam over an enormous area, there we wallowed close to him, right in the middle of the turmoil, actually courting disaster. He had just settled down for a moment, when, glancing over the gunwale, I saw his tail, like a vast shadow, sweeping away from us towards the second mate, who was lying off the other side of him. Before I had time to think, the mighty mass of gristle leapt into the sunshine, curved back from us like a huge bow. Then with a roar it came at us, released from its tension of heaven knows how many tons. Full on the broadside it struck us, sending every soul but me flying out of the wreckage as if fired from catapults. I did not go, because my foot was jammed somehow in the well of the boat, but the wretch nearly pulled my thigh-bone out of its socket I had hardly released my foot when, towering above me, came the colossal head of the great creature, as he ploughed through the bundle of debris that had just been a boat. There was an appalling roar of water in my ears, and darkness that might be felt all around. Yet in the midst of it all one thought predominated as clearly as if I had been turning it over in my mind in the quiet of my bunk aboard. What if he should swallow me? Nor to this day can I understand how I escaped the portals of his gullet, which, of course, gaped wide as a church-door. But the agony of holding my breath soon overpowered every other feeling and thought, till, just as something was going to snap inside my head, I rose to the surface. I was surrounded by a welter of bloody froth, which made it impossible for me to see, but, oh, the air was sweet. I struck out blindly, instinctively, although I could feel so strong in eddy that voluntary progress was out of the question. My hand touched and clung to a rope, which immediately towed me in some direction. I neither knew nor cared whither. Soon the motion ceased, and with a seaman's instinct I began to haul myself along by the rope I grasped, although no definite idea was in my mind as to where it was attached. Presently I came butt up against something solid, the feel of which gathered all my scattered wits into a compact knob of dread. It was the whale! Any port in a storm, I murmured, beginning to haul away again on my friendly line. By dint of hard work, I pulled myself right up the sloping, slippery bank of blubber, until I reached the iron, which, as luck would have it, was planted in that side of the carcass now uppermost. Carcass, I said. Well, certainly I had no idea of there being any life remaining within the vast mass beneath me, yet I had hardly time to take a couple of turns round myself with the rope, or whale-line, as I had proved it to be, when I felt the great animal quiver all over, and began to forge ahead. I was now composed enough to remember that health could not be far away, and that my rescue, provided that I could keep above water, was but a question of a few minutes. But I was hardly prepared for the whale's next move. Being very near his end, the boat or boats had drawn off a bit, I supposed, for I could see nothing of them. Then I remembered the flurry almost at the same moment it began, and there was I, who with fearful admiration had so often watched the titanic convulsions of a dying cachalot actually involved in them. The turns were off my body, but I was able to twist a couple of turns round my arm, which, in case of his sounding, I could readily let go. Then all was lost in a roar and rush, as if the heart of some mighty cataract during which I was sometimes above, sometimes beneath, the water, but always clinging, with every ounce of energy still left, to the line. Now one thought was uppermost—what if he should breach? I had seen them do so when in a flurry, leaping twenty feet in the air. Then I prayed. Quickly, as all the preceding changes had passed, came perfect peace. There I lay, still alive, but so weak that— Although I could feel the turns slipping off my arms, and knew that I should slide off the slope of the whale's side into the sea if they did, I could make no effort to secure myself. Everything then passed away from me, just as if I had gone to sleep. I do not at all understand how I kept my position, nor how long, but I awoke to the blessed sound of voices, and saw the second mate's boat alongside. FRANK T. Bullen THE CRUISE OF THE Cachalot End of section 52